Hey folks, a couple of quick announcements. First, Jim and I have a whole series of talks about the rides that Disney never built over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Most of those shows are almost an hour long, and they cover everything from Animal Kingdom's Beastly Kingdom rides, to the unbuilt Muppet restaurant, to the floating theme park on an aircraft carrier idea. Man, the drugs were better back in the 90s, am I right? Anyway, check those out at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Second, big news, Jim and I are doing a live event in Walt Disney World in 2017. The dates are November 10th to the 13th, 2017, and we'll be putting more information at our Travel Partners website, storybookdestinations.com slash Disney Dish. We plan to spend those couple of days walking through the parks and telling stories. And that's pretty much how we plan to spend our evenings, too, except at a bar. We're hoping Pandora's open then, too, and we plan to have lots of stories about that. Visit storybookdestinations.com slash Disney Dish to join us. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. Weather's starting to get cold. I mean, here in Orlando, it's about 80. And that all means only one thing. This is our second show for December 2016. Let's bring in the man that they call Mr. Claus. Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? 80? It's 80 there? It's going to get down to 65 tomorrow, Jim. So let's... uh... (laughs) Okay, I've already shoveled twice. It's not even winter yet, officially. Life yeah, is not it's, fair. Uh, it's, it's been beautiful. Today it was, I think I went out to walk the dog at like 7.30 and it was a crisp 60 or 65 degrees. And I was like, a jacket, man. man. It's truly what they say, man. Your your blood gets thinner when you live in Florida. Yeah, that's yeah. I remember coming back up to New England the first time after living down there for a while. And yeah, it, you suddenly realize you're no longer packing ragu. It's that weak, thin yeah. Florida blood. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it Where is. You put on a sweater to open the refrigerator. Yeah, I uh, go outside at night now, and I'm like, yeah, do I need a jacket or not? What, what do you mean, do I need a jacket? I should be wearing shorts. Yeah, so. well. All right, Jim, so let's talk about our topic for the day, which is the nighttime shows that I've seen while I've been here. This is the Len Trips the Light Fantastic edition. It is. That's going to be the title of the episode. So I've seen the drone show at Disney Springs, and Jim, I've seen Rivers of Light. We have to <laughs> save Rivers <laughs> Okay, we'll save end. Rivers of Light for the last thing. All right, so the drone show at Disney Springs is actually mm. pretty fantastic for the small thing that it is. Well, it's interesting you say small. With the show drone technology, they have a five-minute-long performance window because I guess that's as much power between taking off from the launch area, getting in show position, and then returning to base. I mean, there's this only so much you know energy you can pack into a show drone. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. So it's uh, it, it maybe be shorter than that, maybe like four and a half minutes once you clip off the announcements at the beginning of the end. But the best place to stand to watch the drones is right behind Bongo's, which mm-hmm. is the only time I will ever recommend going near Bongo's in Disney Springs. <laughs> There's actually a, a nice walkway that they've built now to mm-hmm. watch that. And there were there were a few hundred people there. It was definitely something that, that people knew to come out for as a okay. special event. But the other place you could see it is if you were on the backside of Saratoga Springs. So the if you were at Saratoga Springs looking over at Bongo's, mm-hmm. you would see this as well. It starts off with just a couple of drones in the sky simulating stars, Mm -hmm. and then gradually the lights turn on. And by the way, every one of them has multicolor lights. Mm -hmm. It's not like some of them have green lights and some of them have red lights and some of them have blue lights. They've all got light-changing technology on them. So a couple of them start off as uh, as lights, and then they all sort of get brighter. And Mm -hmm. this being a holiday show, they go through a series of uh, holiday-themed shapes. Mm -hmm. So in one they form sort of like an inverted ice cream cone and the color is green. So it's in the shape of a Christmas tree, but it's three dimensional. 
So it's not like it's a flat 2D thing. It's a three-dimensional cone shape of drones, which is great. But then they start moving. They, so it rotates. And that's, I think, the real power of the drones is that there's this three-dimensional precision mm-hmm. that you can get with the drones that you can't get with fireworks. Like this tree rotated and it looked like the lights on a Christmas tree were rotating. And again, they had 300 drones. And by the way, 300 drones look good. Jim, if they ever did like, and I'm making up a number here, a thousand drones, mm-hmm. it would be like pixel resolution on a monitor. It would be, it would just be fantastic. You have the advantage. You've seen this from the ground. There's, I've went out and viewed a couple of the videos. And what's funny to me is that when you listen to the crowd watching the show, when mm-hmm. there's a shape they can immediately identify, like the Christmas tree, there's a lot of noise. There's a, you know, the hoo-ah, you know, yeah. I mean, same thing yeah. with the, when they close out the show with the Dove of Peace. But, but at the same time, you know, th- there's a number of moments in the show where they're just sort of shapes in the sky. Yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, like blue and white shapes and it's like this is a more abstract pattern than i am used to but uh it's still interesting stuff yeah you know sort of a holiday rorschach test you know just sort of like (laughs) i was gonna go with mark rothko painting but yeah you're there a jackson pollock but yeah your thing works too okay so the the drones are obviously coordinated through some sort of gps system that's on board each drone and at the beginning when they were doing this green cone-shaped Christmas tree thing. One drone's GPS was clearly off a little bit because in the perfect cone Mm -hmm. of green lights, one drone was like 50 feet out to the left of all the other drones. But, but Jim, when it rotated, it rotated in perfect synchronization Uh, with all the other drones, just 50 feet, 50 feet off. I'm like, this is that you can tell it's the GPS thing. It was, uh, it was fantastic though. But I really liked the, uh, the shapes were crystal clear. Also, uh, I think we talked about this in an earlier show. I was, I was concerned that you might be able to hear all of the Mm -hmm. drone motors. You, You can't hear anything. It's, it's absolutely fine. It was really, really good. I really liked the show a lot. Got a lot of you know applause, some genuine enthusiasm on it. I think mm-hmm. as a as a prototype for other shows, it, it's proved its point. It's definitely conceptually there. Like if they wanted to use this in Illuminations, if they wanted to use this in in some other show, you know, this is this is it. By the way, is this is this are drones the reason why they held off on the Illumination show? Because there's been a there's been a refresh of that that's been in the can for like a year, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. This is basically the proof of concept. When they originally opened the show, the introduction to Starbright Holidays was pretty verbose. I mean, it was like... <laughs> Longer than the show itself? <laughs> well, it's just it represents the first steps in an all-new experience yeah. featuring cutting-edge technology. And now it's just like, you know, welcome to Disney Springs and Starbright Holidays and Intel collaboration. Now join us and look to the stars. Don't think yeah. about what you're looking at. Just enjoy it. These things have to be, what, 100 feet away from all guest areas, and they have to enter the park through going back and forth from their base of operations, they have to pass over an area that yep. doesn't involve guests, so or the guests are shielded from. So that gets a little problematic in, in, in Epcot, but they, they are looking into it. In fact, what they're potentially looking at is the drones for Epcot would leave the old field where the ultralights used to land for Epcot's old character ultralight show from the early 80s. And they'd actually stop traffic on Buena Vista Drive to create a safe space for them to enter the park. And then they'd, they'd zoom to the backstage and they'd actually open the drawbridge that separates China. Oh, is that where they would, they would come down through the drawbridge? They have to come in through an area where there are not guests. 
one of the reasons they've been holding off in the Epcot show is the thing we talked about at the very start, that it's like when you only have five minutes of performance yeah. time and how much of that is eaten up from, okay, everything's off the ground, everything checks. Launch okay. to get it. Yeah. And you got to get, I mean, you got to get, getting 300 drones in position takes a few it, minutes. Right? It does. It does. Yeah. And the other aspect, frankly, that, that the pushback, you know how, for example, characters in flight, the, the the balloon there. I mean, how many times have you been over to Disney Springs and seen this the sign that basically says that we're not flying right now because the wind's too high or there's weather yeah. in the area? Yeah, and the, the characters in flight had to be down during the drone show as well. Well, there you go. So yeah. that's another impact here that that you can't be advertising this as oh you have to come out and see the drone show and have people show up at seven or eight thirty to catch it and like I'm sorry that due to weather related reasons we couldn't run it yeah that's the thing with illuminations even in weather a version of it can run yeah and the danger of building your whole show around a technology that may not be able to take off due to weather is problematic for people in entertainment yeah. I definitely um, see how they how uh, adding in the drones into something that includes fireworks would be that much more. So if you if you had, you know, fireworks, if you had laser and projection technology, like you, you would for Illuminations or like the next version of Illuminations is supposed to have, mm-hmm. you know, it would be that that extra special thing that that no other show has. I thought that the, an alternate flight route for the drones was coming in over the Odyssey restaurant. There was, but the problem is, again, you have to do the exact same thing. You have to clear, you would have to clear a chunk Oh, so you can't you can't just like build a uh, build like a tent or something for guests to walk through because if the drones are flying directionally towards the guests, even if one of them veers off the path, they could okay. So it's not that, it's not that they're, they're going to drop from the sky; it's that they could slide into the guests as well from the sky. There we go. There we oh, go. Oh yes, and they got to build a wall, and then it's all complicated. Okay, so all right. nobody's built a park yet where they've thought, you know, well, we need to create a way for the drones to get safely in and out of the park. You know, just, it's something they're working on. But again, it, first things first, they had to get this show up out of the ground and yeah. find out, okay, is it worth further investment? How do people react? And The interesting thing about the show, too, is, uh, you know, I've, I've been watching the Intel drone mm-hmm. technology for a couple of years. And yep. the show that they're doing at Disney Springs is pretty much the Intel show, mm-hmm. the show that Intel has been working on in Europe for, for a long time. There aren't mm-hmm. very many... In fact, I don't think there are any Disney elements of it uh, at all. It's not like they're making the Mickey Mouse shape or anything like that. And the irony is that this whole project got underway in 2010 after Tangled was released. And creative entertainment at the park is, I want to do that. I want to do that scene. You want to do the lanterns. You want to do the lanterns. Wouldn't it be fun to to be able to use this as a component of a fireworks show? And it's like, well, that was the plan. You know, just to suddenly be able to play that music and have the lanterns rise up around the castle. Well, I can definitely see that. In fact, uh, you know, for for some of these shows, I mean, you could, I don't know how big the drones are, but you could put them on a barge, like a fireworks barge, Mm -hmm. and launch them that way too. That might be another option. And that would uh, would get around the extra airtime that you need. This is to true. get them in and place, yeah. But still, I mean, but Illumination is still a 20-minute show, and you've got five minutes of battery, so... Yeah. And it's not like they're going to bring the, the drones into land, you know, in the middle of a show when they're not being used, and then fire them up again when they are. It's, it's really got to be, you know, one part of one act of a show that the drones are used. Remember the days when portable phone was roughly the size of a cinder block? In five years, we may be in an entirely different space, and you know, just send a barge out that's covered with drones. They come out, they do their bit in the show, they return to the barge, and it just speeds off. I mean, that's entirely doable, just not with this version of the technology. 
Right. So we, uh, we're looking for things like the next generation of drones with carbon fiber bodies and better battery life and, you know, more dense batteries and whatnot. All right. So, so Jim, you mentioned the lantern scene from Frozen. If there was one thing, Jim, that needed that scene more than anything else in Walt Disney World, it's Rivers of Light. Let's talk about Rivers of Light. <laughs> well, well, first of all, I mean, congratulations to you. There have only been four performances of this thing so far. And I saw mine with Bob Iger. I love that. They did the first two shows, uh, tail end of November, and then... Yeah, December 5th and 6th, yeah. A friend who got into an earlier version of the show explained that they were given, like, these hard tickets to get into the park ahead of time. I was actually in the park. I um, went to dinner at Tiffin's. By the way, I saw uh, several fans of the show oh. were at Tiffin's, and I mm-hmm. some of them even got to taste some of our appetizers because I ordered a bunch and we shared. <laughs> so so that, uh, if, if, you needed an, if you needed an additional reason... Mm-hmm. to listen to the show, Jim. It's that if we were ever find ourselves all in the park together, I would mm-hmm. be happy to give you half of my appetizers. So that's that's one reason to uh, to go. But yeah, uh, Tiffin's was, was fantastic. I am continually amazed by that place. If it was in a resort, it would be you know something that would be booked every single night. As it was, I made a same-day reservation for 6 o'clock. Enjoy that till... Uh, that date isn't publicly available, Jim. <laughs> you, oh, you sorry. Want, you, <laughs> I oh okay. Never mind. Yeah. That was the thing that the, that was the thing that we know that we're not supposed to say. So uh, so we do that, and then yeah, there's a, there's a hard ticket uh, that you mm-hmm. have to get into the show, and and security was tight the entire way through. They multiple checkpoints. It was like it was like trying to get out of Casablanca during World War II. You had to have your <laughs> traveling papers with you every step of the way, going from Tiffin's. Once you got past, like, the exit area of Discovery Island, before mm-hmm. you even got on the bridge to Asia, so uh, there were two seating sections, Asia and Dinoland. We were in the Asia section. Before mm-hmm. you even got there, there was a cast member who said, you have to have your tickets to get in the line. And there was a line that, you know, that, that went in. When you got across the bridge in Asia, there was another checkpoint. Then when you got over by Expedition Everest, there was another checkpoint. Then when you went in, there was another checkpoint. And, and at each step, they said... The equivalent of if we see you so much as fondling your phone in your pocket, we're going to kick you out. So no recording of any kind. They said it six or seven times before the mm-hmm. show. We got there early enough. I actually sat right up front. Then first row of the uh, the Asia section, Bob, mm-hmm. um, Iger, and team were sort of like to my left and up a little bit. So there's a couple of interesting things that they do. There are some really good things in the show. Let's start with the first one. In the pre-show... You actually see some of the floats get into place. So like the big lotus flower floats take a good five or ten minutes to get into place. And they kind of like, I can't tell whether they float around randomly or whether they're trying to synchronize their GPS settings and and, and get set. But they were floating around there for a while. But as they were doing that, you're looking across the river at the landscaping around Flame Tree Barbecue and then the bridge over you know, Asia and the landscaping of Asia. And there are trees and bushes. You, you know what it's like, right? Yeah. The first thing you notice is as dusk sets in, it starts to get dark. You see lights flickering in the trees and it's supposed to be fireflies. And at first it's just a few that you can barely see. But as the night gets darker, the lights intensify and you can see that it's lots of fireflies and the effect is just great. But then every once in a while, you'll see a shadow move on the trees and the shadows get more and more refined until you see that it's an elephant or a lion or a tiger. And then they start bringing in the sound effects with them as well. So as you see the lion shadow move along the landscape, and again, it's just a shadow projected on the trees, you you hear the lion. And mm. 
it's it's really great. So you've got some soft area appropriate background music. You've got the shadows. You've got the fireflies. And the first thing I said is they should be doing this right now, regardless of whether Rivers of Light runs or not, because mm-hmm. you can see it as you're going between Asia and Dinoland in the park, and it adds so much to the to the ambiance of the area. Even without the show, they should be doing it. It's a great effect. Mm-hmm. So lights mm-hmm. dim at eight thirty, and cast members come down and they're carrying these elaborate lanterns but it's not one lantern it's like a series of lanterns almost like suspended on a hook and then other cast members have single lanterns but the lanterns are constructed in sort of like a segmented way and remember the old uh, tapestry of nations tapestry of dreams maquettes the puppets oh, from yeah. the old epcot yeah. we all started seeing the heyna 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 <laughs> we all started singing the tapestry of nations song as they were walking okay. down <laughs> Totally not mm-hmm. the effect that the show designers wanted, but that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So they come down, and then there's this audio that says something about shamans, and the shamans are going to summon the spirits, whatever, whatever. I, I, it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense at the time, and I, I think this is actually one of the problems with the show is that the shamans don't make sense. But the the shamans come out, and they're um, they're on these boats, and they're they're definitely Asian style boats, and they used puppets to make shadow shapes on the sails of their boats. So if you can imagine that the edges of the boats have powerful lights that are shining on the shamans and then against the sails, the shamans are making shapes like monkey shapes and lion shapes and whatnot. And the idea of the show apparently is that the shamans are going to be summoning the animal spirits in a great celebration of nature. The lotuses come out and here's where you see that the show is lacking some elements. Remember the original version of the show was supposed to have a, a hundred smaller floating lanterns and they're not there they're not part of the show so this is one of the things that they that they deleted from the show so this is must have been where they, they where they were having the technical difficulties that they couldn't get the gps coordination right of this hundred lanterns so they just cut them from the show the problem with that is there are only four floats to look at then for at least for the first part of the show and it's not enough the show begins they fire up the water screen technology which is essentially like a fan like you know like you have a fan that you used to fan your face with Mm -hmm. those folding fans that that women used to carry around it's that sort of half circle shape and the water screens start in the back of the lagoon and the shaman boats sort of go to the side the lotus floats sort of take center stage and what they are is they're uh, they're like water fountains in the middle of them and they're projecting water up into different shapes almost like a small version of the fountains at Bellagio in Las Vegas mm-hmm. vaguely mm-hmm. like that so there's music the fountains are moving you start to see some animal shapes and video being projected onto the water screens and that's pretty much the entire rest of the show is various combinations of floating lanterns shooting waters water out, um, different colored lasers, and then different video projections. And I think that's literally the problem with the show, Jim, is that there's not much there in terms of content. This is five years in development, three years in, in between construction and farming the floats out and sourcing the technology, and it just only now when you get it in this space do you realize that you don't really have a show? Yeah, and you said this before it even debuted, or after the first delay, you're like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm hearing that there are show problems. The reason why they're not showing this isn't mm-hmm. technical. It's show mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of, of, of wow moments in the show. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give them this. There's the one scene where the animal floats first come out, and it's a great bit of stagecraft. Mm-hmm. Right before the, the animal floats come out, your eyes are fixated 
they, they draw all four of the lotus water projection floats to sort of the center of the lagoon and your eyes are focused exclusively on that and it does this you know twirling thing where it shoots shooting off water in different shapes but then the the entire stage goes dark and then these huge brilliantly colored animal shapes appear in the area between dino land and asia and that, that little waterway that's the access point into the lagoon and mm-hmm. it's it's so well done because it's like you're focused straight ahead you're focused straight ahead you're focused straight ahead it goes dark really bright thing out of the corner of your eye it's just the way that the entry is done is mm-hmm. just fantastic they they should keep that that part works really well there's another part about i think in at the third act where they're doing water projection but the water projection follows they're using lasers in combination with the water and the the water takes on the color of the lasers mm-hmm. it is really 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 clear like these blue columns of water and these orange columns of water are just super super clear very colorful they do that well but the rest of the show is just oof. like i don't I, I still don't understand what the shamans are supposed to be doing and I say this, I wrote a blog post on this, and I said it like this. is like, are we celebrating nature? Are we there to conserve nature? Have we just taken hallucinogenic drugs, and this is our, this is our cleansing ceremony? What, what's the purpose of the shamans? I, don't, uh, I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that part of it. The shamans were supposed to be controlling everything in the arena. So, you know, there were going to be these moments where they would gesture to a group of lanterns that would then go off and form a pattern or dance around their boats or, you know... So, oh, okay. So the interesting thing is they kept they kept the motion of yeah. the shamans doing that, but there's mm-hmm. they're not motioning to anything now. No. Oh, that would make way more sense. Because yeah, there, there are these periods where the shaman boats mm-hmm. are floating in front of you, like they're intentionally moving somewhere, and there's this open space between you, the audience, mm-hmm. and the shamans on the boat, but there's nothing there, no. and so they're they're gesturing here and. Like I could, I couldn't figure out. Is this a dance? Is this, is this puppetry where the mechanisms aren't working right? What's, ah, oh, so they left the motions in and. Oh. Well, because again, they still hope to bring the lanterns into the show. Okay, that makes way more sense because there, there were several times in the show where we're like, what are the shamans doing and why? And it didn't make mm. any sense. But if they're there controlling the different shapes of the floating lanterns that aren't currently part of the show. Okay, that makes total sense then. That would make more sense anyway. I'd have to see it. Iger saw the show, as you said, on the evening of the 6th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was there. I saw him, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the word that's come down is that he agrees with an audience it does play better than just in an that, empty stadium. That was an audience of cast members, though, who are predisposed <laughs> to liking it. And so he's like, it's like, look, there's some lovely elements, but it's still not ready. So the current plan seems to be these will be the last presentations to cast members because obviously we're heading into the holiday season. Right now you have to concentrate on that. What the creative team would like to do is use this three or four week layover to get the lanterns introduced into the show. You were the first audience to get the, the what the fire and laser effect off of the lotuses, right? Or we we got the fire effect, but it was really, really, really subdued. Not that I want to promote my own barbecuing abilities, but I've mm. made bigger fires at home. <laughs> You almost wondered whether that was actually working right as well. And mm. I understand that they're not going to do... I mean, it's not going to be, you know, a diehard yeah. kind of fireball effect because of mm. the, you know, animals or anything. But 
I, I expected more out of that. The, the current plan is, come January, a few more performances for cast members, that sort of thing. The, the creative team has been telling management at the park that they think they can get the show open in time for February. I, I don't see how, Jim. The other thing I didn't mention, mm. I don't think the soundtrack is all that good. I mean, the well, soundtrack to me... I, that was the, the next issue I was about to bring up. While they're telling the management of the park, February... The hard reality now is it's like, look, we may have to redo the score, and if we have to redo the score, that means we have to redo the programming of the animation. So it's really starting to look like what we're honestly talking about here between introducing the lanterns and possibly swapping out the score and re-choreograph the boats is an April-May open to the public. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking early summer would be the, the, the soundtrack. You know, I love the Illumination soundtrack. But if you look at the story, I still don't understand the story. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that as someone, like, I, I don't think there's actually a plot or a narrative of the story. And I say that as someone who loves Illumination, like, the most abstract thing mm-hmm. that Disney's ever put in a theme park. I, but I couldn't follow this. And I think the soundtrack is way too generic for wow. what it is. I said, I said in my blog post that it's like they, they asked a computer to blend together <laughs> every, every Disney nighttime spectacular ever and then add words about nature. The but, other thing, too, and this mm-hmm. is the thing that they've got to worry about, too. The water screen technology isn't mm-hmm. dialed in yet. There were a couple of instances where they did a really great job on it. Like this, remember, the uh, the water screens are in a, a half-circle fan shape. And mm-hmm. there was this one instance where they, they show a peacock yeah. spreading its feathers, and it fits exactly within that shape. That was, that was brilliant. It was clear. Mm-hmm. It was crisp. You understood what they were trying to do. But... Even the slightest wind that night caused the images to become not focused and blurry. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is when you're projecting abstract shapes or when you're projecting shapes on it, there are instances where you can't, like we couldn't tell, is this this a lion? Is this this orange blob that we're looking at, right? Is it a lion? Is it a meerkat? What is this thing that we're looking at? And we couldn't tell. It it was just a really light wind. And we could also feel, by the way, the water coming back on us. So uh, Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting if if they do launch us in February. Mm-hmm. It'll be uh, the, the, the glaze of ice on people uh, <laughs> coming out of it might be interesting to see. In hindsight, they thought they were going to be able to build on the experience of World of Color and Fantasmic. I actually said it reminded me of, of the the World of Color debut where where everyone froze during the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because that was miserable. <laughs> oh, no, no, absolutely. But if you think about Paradise Bay at Disney's California Adventure... Mm-hmm. That's not a waterway that you have fish and turtles. It's really sort of a closed, highly filtered body of water, and they can't do that in this park. The, the river in the Rivers of Light is, is an actual waterway with, yeah. with plants and debris and living things in it, right? And and that has been a real challenge with the water screens. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's the, uh, it's the, the water quality, the color of the water. Yeah. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, well, sadly, neither did the people who were putting together <laughs> the show. Yeah, because the, uh, I mean, in comparison, the water in Paradise Pier in, in DCA mm-hmm. is, I mean, it's practically drinkable, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's clear, it's, and, and this is not, this is like a dark, sludgy green. If you think about the Rivers of America at Disneyland, where they, they do Fantasmic, the way they get away with it there is there were actually three smaller screens that you know you can do higher pressure with the, realizing now going with the one big large screen in you know a body of water that has plant life and and or, animal organic matter. matter is what the kids call it jim 
There we go. <laughs> this is now, this is an issue. and it just, Oh, I didn't even think of that. The other problem right now, where one of the reasons why they're telling park management February is because park management wants to have, by the time Avatar opens this summer, at some date that we did not reveal earlier in the show, <laughs> that they want to have load and unload for this nighttime show for, for Rivers of Light down. The absolute terror scenario for, for Disney is that uh, Pandora, the, the world of Avatar, and you know, Rivers of Light both open within too short a window because suddenly you're dealing with all these people who are trying to get into the bioluminescent aspect of, of you know Pandora at night yeah and, and, and that's, that's going to be I mean maybe 10,000 people will be able to fit in that area if, if you're 5,000 on the attractions 5,000 walking around maybe 7,500 walking around but but there's only what like 3,000 seats 5,000 seats in yeah. Rivers of Light so you're talking about less than a third of the park's capacity mm-hmm We'll be able to do things, and the setup for the show, Jim, takes for Rivers of Light takes so long. Hmm. I mean, they're gonna have to if they do one show at eight, the next one will be at ten, yeah. which they could do. I mean, circling back on the drone show, they're supposedly talking already with Intel about well, could we do a summertime program? Let's go away with the the information that we have from this show, mm-hmm. and maybe come back and do a nighttime program during the summer, and. The folks from Intel were like, okay, so get us your times for when the sun goes down and it gets dark enough to present the show. And it's like, yeah, wow. Yeah, that, that's, that's easy enough to get. I mean, I, we have that actually built into the site. But much like doing a fireworks show at nine on a night where the sun really hasn't gone down is... Yeah. And especially with the drone technology, it's kind of unforgiving. Yeah. And you don't want to, you don't want to actually see the drone mechanism. You don't want to see the body of the drone. You just want to see the light. No. So during you know in in the middle of June, you know it's mm-hmm. not gonna it'll be dusky at nine nine p.m. But and that's the problem, right? Because you've got kids and you don't want mm-hmm. you don't want to tell parents with small children. Well, you've got to be awake until ten thirty yeah. to see and, the first show. Yeah. And, and okay, I get it. yeah, with rivers of light, you can be loading your show at eight thirty nine and and launch it. Oh 9:30. yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. at the same time, then, it just then when's your second show going to be eleven thirty? I mean, there you go. So yeah, I mean, okay. that's Ooh. another reason why they really wanted this thing up, running for as long as possible ahead yeah. of Pandora, because they just they wanted to have this down. And okay, we don't have to worry about that half of the park. We just have to worry about this half of the park. And now it's yeah. like now the it's nightmare like scenario. Gotta, yeah. There are a few good elements of the show, but I would say at this point, it's maybe like a third of where it needs to, a third of the mm-hmm. way towards where it needs to be. I mean, the the soundtrack is really just. Uh, I mean, I've listened to some bad soundtracks from mm-hmm. Disney, but this is not. A, and this is, the problem with it is, it's just not memorable. All right, yeah. well, well, we'll see what happens. If I'm uh, from if, if we're down next month, we can uh, maybe we can both go uh, see you can see if they do previous. I I would not expect to see this before late spring though. It's just I I think that it, it needs way more work than that. And the last thing they want to do is introduce a show that's been delayed almost a year and have it be bad. I mean, that would be that would yeah. be the worst possible scenario. I know, but but at the same time, the the people who are talking about the Zootopia and or Moana follow up show are like, well, you know, that's really unfortunate. Maybe Moana two comes out when? There you go. Because <laughs> we can we could be ready for that. All right, all right, all right, folks. Well, uh, you've been listening to another edition of the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. We are produced fabulously, I might add, by one Aaron Adams. Please go on to iTunes and Stitcher and rate our show and tell us what you would like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show. Take care.